everyone. Welcome back to Bitch Breathe. My name is Ricardia, and this is the first episode of 2023. So if it's not too late, Happy New Year, everybody. I hope you are off to a, a good start. I know I was because I took a bit of a break. That's why you haven't heard from me in a month. I decided to take a complete time out and do a digital detox back in the States, which is where I was in the sun for a whole month. So I'm feeling energized. I hope you do too. And even though we're going to be talking about a subject that could slightly drain you of your energy, I'm hoping that by the time you've listened to the episode, you will feel more energy because you will have more power over your situation. So as you know, some of you, I have begun working with people, speaking to a lot of people and doing the research all about breakups and in specific about toxic breakups because there seems to be a lot of that going around (laughs) or maybe we're just talking about it a whole lot more. I've done a few episodes on narcissistic relationships. If you want to hop back to those, please feel welcome. I think there's a bunch of tools in there that might be helpful just in case you suspect or are full-on convinced that you are indeed in one of those more toxic connections. Today, however, I would like to talk about what happens after you've been in a toxic or narcissistic relationship. Let's say you did the homework, Hell, you got a whole degree on narcissism maybe by now. Maybe you had a divorce, your kids are safe, you feel safe. And all the logistics of getting out of a relationship and getting out of specifically a toxic relationship are done. You've done the work. That part is behind you. And now inside you, something begins to stir. You find yourself maybe coincidentally researching or asking friends about dating apps. You talk to said friends about their experience with dating and online dating. You are starting to feel a little bit curious, maybe even a little brave. And also your libido is like, hello, (laughs) I'm still here, Missy. We still have a body. What is happening? So if that is where you're at Or if you feel like you're approaching that wonderful time, please let me testify to the fact that this is a wonderful time, then this episode is for you. So when I first started dating again, I didn't trust myself at all. In fact, I was sort of halfway into it. I was like, yeah, I'm not really looking for something or some of my other protective measures were, yeah, I'm not ready yet. Or if I just read this one more book, or go to this one more workshop, or do some other thing, take some other hurdle, then maybe I'll be ready. And the truth is, I was scared shitless. I didn't know if I could be trusted with people. In fact, I was pretty sure I couldn't. I felt that my wounds or my vulnerability was just oozing out of me. It was like painting a target on my forehead. Hello, narcissist. Your prey is right over here. (laughs) And it just didn't feel like a safe place for me to be. And dating didn't feel like a safe thing for me to do by myself. And that's already your first clue. When you decide that, yes, you're kind of sort of wanting to be brave about dating again, you don't have to do this alone. In fact, maybe use your circle of friends, confidants, people who are close to you, to engage, to set up a date for you. Because let's face it, meeting somebody through a circle of friends or a specific friend, 
That is a great way to go, isn't it? I mean, arranged marriages work that way. And even though I don't think I want to be in an arranged marriage, I think by now we've all read the studies, they're actually quite successful. And I think that is partially maybe coercion. God only knows what goes on, but that happens in other marriages as well. I think the other part to see it positively is that here are people who love you, who know you very well, and who have your best interest at heart. So signal your readiness to your friends. Ask them, hey, is there someone you think might be a good match for me? You might just even win another friend. Could you ever have enough good friends? I don't think so. So ask around. Let everyone know I'm ready to get back out there. Another way to go if you're not yet sure, do I actually want to be in this one-on-one situation with a new person? Do I trust myself to be in that sort of intimate setting yet? And for me at the beginning, that was a hard no, definitely not. So what I began to do, and what I still do now, is I started to look up events around town that I would really truly enjoy that would have a high likelihood of other people being there. I mean, yoga and everything is great, but if you are thinking about meeting people, then maybe yoga alone in front of your online video isn't going to cut it. So try to find out what is it you truly enjoy. Remember what it is you did before this relationship came along. For me, I love live jazz. So I would go to specific events that really struck my fancy that I would just enjoy being at. And so I would go to those either by myself, and I would strike up a conversation with people there all the time. Or if I did manage to have a date, I wouldn't go for coffee or or something. I would say, hey, do you want to go rock climbing? Maybe that could be a suggestion that you make, right? So that the whole dating thing doesn't become about finding the one or I got to get back out there and all this force, all this shoulds and all this imperative of, you know, putting yourself back out there. It falls away when you do something that is joyful to you, that you really love to experience. Now, let's say there is someone here on your radar and you have begun texting, for example, then that can go on for a while. And whether you do that for a really long time to sort of vet them a little bit, or you're more of the fraction where you say, no, let me meet them right away, check out their energy, that'll tell me a whole lot more than a couple of text messages, then either of those ways can work. But I want to say one thing about texting is that it's very easy to confuse wittiness or great writing in a text for something that it might not be like this might not have to be a good person just because they write well it doesn't mean they're respectful it doesn't mean they're loving and the contrary is true too one of my ex-boyfriends a lovely guy we're still friends he was horrible at writing (laughs) like when i read his messages i was like oh my god can he like finish the sentence i don't even understand the thought behind this sentence so just to know that whatever writing it is you're being shown through a text message or an email, whatever, that doesn't tell you nearly everything you need to know. So you probably have guessed by now, I'm more of the conviction that you just meet the people, just go out there, get a feel for their energy, and don't be too distracted by the eloquence and wittiness or the fact that they use punctuation (laughs) in the right way, which I don't. (laughs) That isn't all the information you're going to need. Since we're already on texting, I want to add a small little thing to that. 
because it's something I kept running into. And it wasn't very helpful. And it was politeness placed in a wrong way. So you don't have to be overly polite if you do lose interest in the person you're texting with, or you just don't feel you should pursue this any longer. Let them know that you don't feel this is the right direction and then leave it alone. And if they get rude or pushy, just ignore those messages. Obviously, not everybody is going to react well to that. But for the love of God, don't get involved in this whole texting orgy over why you don't want to be in touch anymore. Because by doing so, clearly, you're not accomplishing your goal. You're still in touch and you're trying to be very, very nice when really what the person needs is not nicety, it's clarity. Just like with breakups, sometimes we try to do these nice breakups and we try to be so conscious and caring. It's like sometimes you just got to move on and you just got to say, bye, I'm out. This isn't for me. (laughs) I know it sounds easier and it's more easily said than done. I know a lot of acquaintances, people I work with, I talk to, they like to make a list of the qualities that they appreciate about another person. And of course, the most obvious ones are always named first. Honesty, loyalty, humor, fidelity. And obviously, these are all great values if you're thinking about a monogamous relationship. And if you're thinking about a non-monogamous one, you probably need these ones all the more. But know that you may not stick to any of these. Ideal, what our partner should be, and reality, who we're attracted to, they often don't match. Otherwise, how did we land in a narcissistic relationship, right? We landed there because it looked oh so good. And then it was like, oh, you know what? I kind of didn't notice that about you before. So as an example, let's say you want a shy guy, but two drinks in, this macho is looking really great. That can happen. So your ideal was a shy guy who's respectful and loving, but you're sitting there with Mr. Pushy. Know that that can happen. And the reality and the ideal don't have to fall apart as much as they did in this example. But try to be a little flexible at first. And I don't mean sacrifice honesty or or fidelity if that is something you want. Um, That's not what I mean. But just know that things can look very different from what we thought they were or what we would like them to be. So sort of step outside of the conversation you're having every now and then and try to feel your way through this. Like, do I feel this person is an honest person? Do they boast a lot about who they are? Do they talk a lot about themselves instead of maybe asking you questions, right? These are all things you can look at, even as you decide not to be super rigid about your ideals and qualities that you wish for in another person. This idea of taking a meta perspective, so sort of stepping out of the date and watching you and this date at the table or bouldering or playing table tennis, whatever it is, maybe try to remember what those first one or two dates with your former narcissistic partner were like. And I'm sure some memories are already cropping up for you. One of my guys was extremely romantic. He wanted to marry me, I think, after the first week that we spent together. He was very, very pushy, and it was all very romantic and a lot of speed behind it. If that is something that you're noticing in this date right now, that could be a warning sign. 
and you're just noticing, you don't have to walk away and be like, well, fuck you, you're just another one of those. That's not what I mean. It's just to sort of keep monitoring a little bit how you feel, even more than how you think this situation is going. How do you feel right now? Does this person feel like a warm quality? Is there a sense of safety here? Is there a sense of lightness? Whatever qualities make you feel good, are they happening right now? Are they being encouraged and nourished as you sit there? Right? So just going for the visceral sense of how those dates with your former narcissistic partner went and in how far are they different in this state. And for the love of God, go against the signals you had with your narcissist in those first few dates and see if this one is a little different. Because you know what's so great about that? You know you've already changed. If this person is very different from that narcissistic person you were with, then you're already winning this game. As mentioned, it's a good idea to feel your way into how things are going as they are going. Meaning while you're on the date, Look a little bit at yourself and the other person, of course. But see, are you feeling like you have to be someone else, for example? Like, are you performing in some way during this date? Do you feel like you need to radiate and shine even more than you already do? Or maybe you notice that you're falling hard or falling fast for this person. Listen, how human is that? You've just been through hell. You may not have gotten laid in a long time. Okay, we need to stop with the autobiographical information. No, but seriously, you're in a very vulnerable state. Here's a guy, girl, who seems interested in you. It's going to be a little nerve-wracking. So if you need to pull back, do it. Just pull energy back a little bit. I'm again not saying stand up and walk away, but just maybe reserve your own energy a little bit more for yourself so that you can feel like you're in a certain amount of control while the date is going on. And speaking of warning signs, by the way, if the person is too flashy, too fast, too pushy, and again, the whole talk about sex comes up really fast, yeah, you caught a live one. Fake an accelerated bowel movement or a phone call, some other emergency, and get out of town. Get out of there. You know what's coming and it ain't going to be pretty. So you might as well cut yourself some slack and walk away. Hey, you made it through a date. You actually were brave enough to go there. That's all that counts at the moment. Now for a more positive experience. So what if you do find yourself liking a person after a few dates? Normally, at least that's how it used to be in my culture for a long time, was that you waited to introduce people to your parents or to your friends. You checked out first, how am I feeling about this partner? Do they have potential? Does this whole thing here have a promise of some sort? And what I changed over the years was I didn't wait too long. I didn't wait to introduce him to my friends. In fact, the last guy I dated for a longer time, I think he met my one of my best friends within the first two weeks of dating. I was like, you know what, throw him in there. Have him be examined and vetted by some of the people who know me best. And if you have that kind of good relationship to your mom or to your dad or both, why not introduce him really fast? So what are they, crazy, overbearing? Is he too shy? Does he think it's weird? Whatever. You're just meeting parents. You're not getting married and you're not being proposed to and you're not proposing. 
but why not make them jump into the cold water and be vetted by everybody around? Because quite frankly, you're not sure you're making the right decisions yet. You're going to need some neutral pairs of eyes to look at the guy or the gal, so you might as well rush the introductions. Don't wait for months until you're so besotted with the person that you're not going to listen to your family or friend's advice anyway. Trust me, I've been there. (laughs) And listen, I want this to be really loud and clear. You don't have to get this right. You do want to protect yourself, but you don't have to get it right. And the way to accomplish both goals is to just make it a slow burn. Just try a few dates first. Maybe put off the whole idea of one-night stands at the moment. Listen, if you want to go for those, just be safe and you have all my blessings. (laughs) But if you're a little worried about fishing in the wrong waters, if you will, then hold back from the physical aspects maybe for a moment. I know that in rare cases that getting over an old narcissist meant getting on top of a new person. (laughs) And that's totally fine. That can happen. Sometimes it has a way of, I don't know, evacuating the other person or just renewing the energy, the, the physical energy, literally. And I thought it was very effective. But I have to say, again, those were rare cases. Please don't let me known for someone who's telling other people not to have sex. (laughs) But I just want to say that because I want you to protect yourself. So another thing that can happen when you're just out and about again, you only just sort of emerge from your cave of wounds and suffering and sadness, and you can feel that you want to change something about your patterns, and then you meet someone. They're super nice. They're really interested in you. They make great conversationalists. The whole date is is rather nice, but it's not that exciting. There's no sparks. I don't want to get with this guy or gal right away. I don't know. I'm I'm missing a bit of a spark here. I'm going to say something that I learned in a book way back. I was reading a book that has the very, I don't want to say telling, but yes, it is a very telling title, How to Not Die Alone. And in that book, her name's Logan Yuri. I highly recommend it, by the way. I felt a little self-conscious about reading it on the subway because I'm like, oh my God, I must look so desperate because I'm reading this book. Who gives a fuck? You've already been through hell. How much worse can it get with reading this book? So in this book, Logan Yuri says, when you don't feel this spark or on the first date, go for the second date anyway. Remember, you're trying to mix up a pattern here. You're trying to create a pattern disrupt. That won't happen if you don't short-fuse your system. What do I mean by short-fusing the system? I mean going on a date even though you're so not feeling it. The guy is nice, but you're like, meh, really lukewarm. Go on the second date, Logan Yuri says. And I absolutely, absolutely agree. Because my last relationship that lasted for almost three years, and that was still a wonderful relationship even though it's not here anymore, I did that. I went on a second date, even though I was totally not interested in the guy. I was like, he's super nice. He says some interesting things, but I don't feel anything here. And let me just tell you, it was that second date that nailed it. That is when I knew, oh, this is going to happen. I want this guy to be my next boyfriend. And I didn't feel any of those things in the first date. Nothing. I was almost thinking, is this guy gay? He's like, there's nothing happening here. Or maybe I've lost my mojo. But there was no spark, no electricity, nada. Second date, reverse everything I just said. 
So do it. Go on the second date. If you still decide, I really don't think it's happening, fine, let it go. Plenty of fish in the sea. Maybe I should say one thing about that, though. Nice does not mean boring. Go ahead, repeat after me. Nice does not equal boring. If that is your equation, and I know it was mine, and I know it is for many, many, many women that I speak to, I will say this. Try to get some, I'm going to say it, professional or spiritual support, because I think you'll need it. The whole idea, the whole cultural experience that we've been offered, that nice is boring, or that nice guys finish last, or that little Miss Goody Two-Shoes is never going to nail the ideal partner. All these things are very strong, and they're very strongly anchored in our systems, in our thinking. If we think we have free will, we don't. We are so influenced by all the things we were raised with and the culture that surrounds us. So if you maybe are in that category of nice equals boring, get somebody to get you out of there. This is not an easy thing to do. In fact, it was one of the hardest things I ever had to do, and it was the most effective one to break my pattern of electricity, physical attractiveness, and all these things having to be the biggest thing to, you know what? They don't. They're important, but they shouldn't be my only true north when I first meet a person. So that's what I did. I got help in the spiritual realm. I did a whole bunch of weird workshops that I don't want to even talk about, but I broke the pattern. And that's what we're trying to do, right? And my very last, maybe my last little trick here, is if you decide to go on a date, maybe don't go for dinner first. Coffee is fine. I know you always feel like you can lose a person after that, but I think it's also nice to just get really down and awkward because that's when I learn the most, is when I'm awkward or out of my comfort zone. But the alternative could be to just do something active. So you're not big into sports or whatever. Maybe you both suck at table tennis or whatever it is. But being self-conscious together or experiencing each other in an unconventional setting, I think is one of the best ways to learn about a person. Like I had a best friend for years and then we went and played table tennis and he was completely shocked at just how badly I wanted to win this game. And so I think by putting ourselves into these situations that are light and easy, but at the same time tell us a lot about the other person is a really great way to date and to get out there and again, to do something that's fun. This doesn't have to be husband or wife number three. Maybe you don't want to get married anymore. Maybe you just want to have someone you can go to the theater with on a regular basis. But whatever it is, getting to know them in a setting that isn't normal for either of you, I think is a really great way to go. So there, brave ones. I want to say more power to you for getting out there. I know it's not easy, especially in the online dating world. It feels like we have so many more choices, but when you distill them, it still doesn't feel like it's a whole lot. But I actually want to counter that limited belief and say that there are a lot of wonderful, wonderful people out there. And at the risk of sounding very new agey, if you're looking for them, chances are they're looking for you just you. If you are still going through a breakup, you're not ready for the dating game yet, maybe we should talk because just maybe I can help you with that. Just shoot me an email at, what was it again, ricardia at thebreakupcall.com. Maybe check out thebreakupcall.com and we can talk a little bit more. 
All right, for real now, sending love.